I was from a rural community, which is a little bit harder to to gain access to. I'm the oldest of four, so, you know, they can't, they couldn't really foot the bills forever. (laughs) I think my my heart is always, has just been wanting to help people. And that's the simplest thing. That's the simplest and purest form of what I do. Particularly getting onto plastics, that was, that was very strategic. um, And that was, that was hard work. But everything else before that was almost, not accidental, but it was just... You know, fingers crossed. But again, you know, I didn't think about it. Yeah. It was, I mean, I get asked by junior surgeons and other junior female doctors, you know, what about the timing? And I'm like, oh, look, there is no good timing. (laughs) That's right. There was a lot. And, you know, it's quite isolating as well. The study is, like you're saying, sitting at your laptop. I mean, I was always in a garage somewhere studying and hiding, hiding so the babies couldn't smell me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado, this is Skin and You. If you are listening, I hope this helps you glow, whatever that might mean. Kelly, you have had um, a huge amount of education and a huge amount of accolades behind you uh, for such a young female plastic surgeon. Um, Was medicine always something that you wanted to get into? Yeah, absolutely. I was never unsure about that. I was just always finding the pathway in. I was from a rural community, which is a little bit harder to to gain access Mm. to, you know, those elite um, schools and things like that. Mm. But I just worked hard. (laughs) So my pathway wasn't direct. It was a bit roundabout. I did radiography first and then Whilst I really enjoyed doing all of that, um, realised that you don't quite have the patient continuity that I was really mm. after. So third year of radiography applied for medicine and got in and um, worked for a year just to make sure I was fully qualified as a radiographer in case it didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> but Always good to have a backup. It was my plan B. Um, but, you know, that was so good because I worked full-time as a radiographer through medicine yeah. and that paid my way, which is good. I'm the eldest of four, so, yeah. you know, they can't, they couldn't really foot the bills forever <laughs> with no, education. amazing. So how many years of university study have you actually done? So university's been eight. Then I did my master's of surgery, which is another two. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but I did my master's concurrently with junior years as a doctor yeah. in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. It's so, incredible. <laughs> yeah, look, I I look back and just think it's just what I did. Yeah. But um and you know, my 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 family work really hard. They were not very wealthy people, but mm. they've got this incredible work ethic and mm. that was definitely instilled in me from a very young age. Um and I just went for it. And I was always positioned in a manner that you know, you can do whatever you like, but yeah. you've just got to work. Um, and I wasn't, you know, perhaps the smartest kid, but I had a, I was able to work and yeah. obviously achieve the marks we needed to get and, and totally. do what I wanted to do. But um, <laughs> it's definitely not, you know, the the way that most people did it. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, I mean, coming from a rural um, community, do you think, you know, was medicine something that many people you knew there who were even interested in or was just something you were just interested in from the beginning? Look, I think my my heart is always has just been wanting to help people and that's the simplest thing. That's the simplest and purest form of what I do. Mm. Um, And, you know, I decided I'd 
try and be a vet. So my parents took me down to the local vet to, <laughs> to have some work experience and I got to watch a surgery and I passed out and then I realised I'm allergic to most animals. So oh, no. that kind of t- ticked that box. I could only really be a, do- a vet for dogs. <laughs> and, you know, so I kind of progressed from there. I did some work experience with radiography mm. and then medicine was just always this this thing that I was fascinated by. But you know, from those communities, there's not a lot of, you know, women who are doing those sorts of things. There's mm. no real um, women in, in who can kind of touch base and have a chat to about how they've done all yeah. what they've done. But I had a group of friends who studied at school with us and all very motivated and they were like my pacemakers. Yeah. If I could just keep pace with them, yeah. we'll all get somewhere. <laughs> and we did. It's so good. Um, amazing. Yeah, I've got a very good friend who's an obstetrician now and, um, you know, they've all done individually very well mm. so we j- we all just worked hard but yeah. yeah I mean I was discouraged and a lot of people said that it wouldn't happen um but I just found my way which is good and I think like you said you know there's anybody I think who's in a place where you probably are thinking a little bit outside the box we're really probably being you know in medicine and things like that it's not Uh, probably the most common career path um, for a lot of people. So I think that discouragement something that you really need that sort of diversity sometimes to come over it a little bit and then get you to a place where, you know, you do, you just want to do it yourself and and work hard enough to get there. Um, Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think, you know, you get, you get grit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the, you know, there's a great study come out from New York a couple of years ago and it was about raising girls with grit and I completely agree. Yeah, You know, I've got two little girls and it is all about, you know, throwing hurdles and 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 obstacles at them and mm. them being able to overcome that. And there's, I mean, some people look at my life and just it's amusing almost yeah. of the hurdles and, and how they've been overcome. But yeah. I just got on with it. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that helped you kind of get through those kind of hurdles? Oh, look, that's really, that's a good question. I, um, I never, I never kind of stopped to think, oh, this is it. That's the end. There was always, okay, how do I do it? There's always a forward focus. (laughs) I might sidestep a few things, but there was always a progression, um, in place. And, um, like I said, things weren't categorically unique in the fact that I was from a very smaller school, yeah. not from a big private school, all yeah. those sorts of things. But, you know, I just went around what I had to do. Mm. And, you know, I found I found so many beautiful people along the way who yeah. were willing to, you know, support me, particularly early on in plastics training, yeah. like to really get into it and um, and to to be able to harness that focus and that, mm. that um, work ethic and progress in the right direction. Particularly getting onto plastics, that was yeah. that was very strategic, um, and that was that was hard work. But everything else before that was almost not accidental, but it was just you know fingers crossed <laughs> we get there. <laughs> but it is, and I think that's almost um, that kind of critical thinking is almost an essential skill, like you said, being in a, as a surgeon, because having to be able to come and uh, overcome a hurdle and, and think of the next path to how to get through it is probably quite oh, critical. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in Australia, we've got the best training as far as plastic and reconstructive surgery goes. And you, you think back to all the hard times in surgical mm. training where, you know, you've got all these really, really difficult traumas just mm. through the emergency, all those sorts of things. They really set you up to be able to 
think on your feet. Um, yeah. But it doesn't take the stress away and that's a whole different whole different process that you have to deal with yeah. in the background of actually addressing what's in front of you. Oh, absolutely. But I think, I think again, it's grit. You yeah. just you come back to it and you're like, okay, we've got this, we've got the training, yeah. we can get through what we've got to get and through. And I think that's one thing if I've learned anything from you is I didn't realise, uh, and I think we'll talk about it later, but I didn't realise the both physical and emotional toll being a surgeon would take on somebody, how strenuous it is, um, both from a stress point of view, but physically on your body, standing yeah. up all day yeah. um, and being at that kind of heightened mental capacity, you know, in a, in a very stressful situation really yeah. um, all day. And, you know, it's I huge. think, yeah, it really is. Mm. And I think the busier I get as a surgeon, um, the more acutely aware of all of that I am mm. and the more acutely aware of the processes that I have to go through yeah. as far as trying to get downtime, trying to make sure my head's in the right space because I can't afford to have a bad day. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't turn up yeah. and be a bit half-baked. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you have to be on your game. And yeah. and a colleague of mine, um, I, had, I actually had a go at him because I'm like, you didn't tell me I had to be doing weights. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like I get really achy, particularly when I'm doing implants and things like that. Like Absolutely. It's, it's it's quite a physical job and, you know, mm. the end of a 15-hour operating day, I'm aching from head to toe. I can imagine. And it's it's big mentally and mm. as much as, you know, you're so happy because you've delivered beautiful results for all your patients, you're yeah. exhausted. Yeah. And, you know, there can be moments in the day which are stressful mm. and not quite going the way you want it to be going and yeah. and eventually we all get, we get there but it's you've got to change tack a bit and you've got yeah. to be able to think in, in that moment. So it is, it's really hard and I didn't appreciate that coming out as a junior surgeon. Yeah. And that's certainly becoming more acutely totally. my focus of preparing myself. Well, yeah, absolutely, because it is. It's preparing your body for being able to withstand that as, you know, for longevity. Yeah, that absolutely. Is, it's huge. Yeah, um, and it's interesting, longevity, what we were talking about before, like it's, it, it is, it's coming down to just looking after yourself, diet and exercise yeah. and focus and meditation, all those sorts of things are yeah. becoming very, very yeah. important in my day. Which is interesting because I think that's um, – becoming a huge focus for everybody, no matter what your career is, no matter what your job is now, we're really starting to learn that in order to perform, I think, probably in your job, whatever it may be, whether it's a physical job or not, you know, even I know sitting at a laptop all day, it takes a huge toll on your body that, you know, we're really, I I don't even think we know the full extent of of how bad that can be for everybody. So it's really... um, interesting how important that is now to really look after yourself yeah um if if that's you know if you want to sustain that because otherwise the burnout is real physically emotionally um it really does take a toll and I think there's just been this beautiful pivot to accepting all of that yeah as well like people have gone you know what there's I don't want to be exhausted yeah and I've got two little girls, as you know. Yeah. I don't want to be the mum who rolls in and, and it has nothing Absolutely. left to give. Yeah. So it is really nice that there's been this acceptable pivot yeah. to, to being able to focus on that as well, which is nice. Totally. Um, I think, like you said, um, going back to you, amongst all of what you have done, which is quite incredible, you have also met your partner and had two a beautiful girls, yeah. which is kind of insane <laughs> starting a family amongst all of that. I know. Um, but again, you know, I didn't think about it. Yeah. It was, I mean, I get asked by junior surgeons and other junior female doctors, you know, what about the timing? And I'm like, yeah. oh, look, there is no good <laughs> yeah, timing. That's right. Um, and my, I always wanted a family. Yeah. And I was so lucky that I met Nathan and, and just the timing of that and 
he's just such an incredible man yeah. and he's so he's a perfect balance for me yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's this really nice contrast yeah because obviously I'm busy and it's all yeah. a bit hectic and full-on and yeah. he's just this beautiful counterbalance balance. <laughs> completely particularly for our girls yeah. it's just you know they get the best of both worlds yeah um but he's also you know busy and his own company yeah. he does his thing as well but um but he he just lets me do what I do and he's yeah. so supportive of that. Sometimes he doesn't know what he's himself yeah. supporting, I'm sure. <laughs> but he just rolls with it. Yeah. But um and then the girls, yeah, we were we were lucky. I mm. you know, it's a funny story. I didn't actually um I didn't I wasn't sure I was gonna get onto plastics and it's so competitive mm. and I was very junior when I got on and yeah. I thought it might take three or four years to get on. So I said, let's just have a baby. <laughs> And then next minute I was pregnant at the interview for the politics, oh. trying not to throw oh, no. up on them and cause, because no one knew I was pregnant. And I, thought, oh my and I was too scared to tell anyone yeah. um, about the pregnancy. Yeah. What pregnancy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was five months pregnant and I was so sick I'd lost so much weight. Oh, my God. Um, so it still squeezed into my suit to, <laughs> to do the interview. Perfect. <laughs> and then, you know, I was, again, it was just all lucky with the timing. They gave me choice of state and I chose obviously Sydney and yeah. um, choice of timing. So I said I'd start in July because the baby was due in January. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so it was it was obviously a lot of work went into all of yeah. that, but um, it, we couldn't have timed it better. Yeah. And then Millie was born during the training program. Yeah. So um, I had a year off with her just to... Yeah. To have a have, regroup, have some, yeah, to regroup. And the training's brutal. The training's hard. It's absolutely, um, yeah. Like I said, it's it's world class training here in Australia, but mm. to get that sort of level of expertise, it's yeah. it's really really difficult. And I think, like you said, there's no right time. You know, no. I felt that with my two kids. It, it was probably. 50% divine luck of some kind and 50% just we're going to wing it um, Yeah, because yeah. it was. There was no perfect time but when I look back at it, it was perfect timing almost, you yeah. know. It kind of just worked yeah, and because absolutely. we made it work. Yeah, um, and you, and you just get around it. Yeah, and the one thing I've learned is little babies are easy. It's when they're bigger, <laughs> they're harder. <laughs> and one thing I've learned is little babies are easier than puppies. Yes, I have a hundred percent learned that too. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but it is you know, there's no right time. It, it, it just you just make it work. You know, yeah, and we we have been so lucky that we've got. We've had incredible nannies. Yeah. I couldn't have done it without any yeah. of our nannies. And they've just been such beautiful people who yeah. just loved our babies. Yeah. And I felt 100% confident with leaving my little ones yeah. um, because I had to just do what I was doing. Yeah. And But, you know, there were, there were fortnights at a time that I wouldn't see the girls in yeah. training and that was really, yeah. that didn't obviously doesn't sit well with me. Mm. And that really was a pivotal point for me leaving public yeah. positions um towards the end and and going just privately just to have a little bit more balance yeah and I think like like you said you know that's that's one of the key things I think we forget sometimes if you are having these big kind of careers or these big shifts and training and education again when kids come involved um you know it does take a village and there is oh, absolutely so much help you know if you can afford it if you can do it um it takes all of that. You know, sometimes I look at the people we have around us because we have no family here yeah. directly, but when That's I look hard. at everyone else we have around to help, um, it, it would be impossible for us to do what we did without that. 
Um, and so, you know, you do have to make that compromise a little bit and and, and sit with yeah. that to be okay because, um, you know, you can't do it by yourself. No, and I think everyone has a very different approach to mm. that um, and it's such a personal thing. Yeah. Everyone, you know, I say that we've got the nanny and you, there's a little bit of judgment sometimes yeah. but that's okay, I'm fine with it. That's totally. completely fine because my little girls have got a stable little world. Yeah. They're, they're happy, they're content and I know that that's okay. Totally. Um, it doesn't work for other people and I get that. No, Absolutely. Um, and, other and people, look, I think yeah, you're, you're showing different. them what you're doing and what you can achieve, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, for them to be able to see that, I think outweighs all the others. Yeah, yeah. Although my ki- my little one went to kindy and told the teacher that I make boobies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what mummy does. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I'm, not so sure. I, I'm not so sure what her response was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, it's perfect. <laughs> um, I think with all of that, did you ever feel like you have to sort of compromise on aspects of your life, I guess, to have both that family and career side of things? Oh, so much was sacrificed. Mm. Endless. My entire 20s and 30s went. Yeah. You know, I, I I look back and I pretty much came out of high school, went straight into uni and when I decided I wanted to do medicine, I was obviously gun ho for mm. going for good grades at my first degree to make sure I could get in. Yeah. So that entire sort of tw- early, early, all of my 20s yeah. and most of my 30s went to study yeah. and to training and to mm. work, which meant I didn't make so many social events and yeah. there was a lot. And, you know, it's quite isolating as well. Yeah. The study is... Like you're saying, sitting at your laptop. Yeah. I mean, I was always in a garage somewhere mm. studying and hiding hiding so the babies couldn't smell me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like it was really, really, really isolating. And so there was there was a really high there's a, there's such a high level of discipline that it takes to be able to do that. Mm. And that had accumulated and I'd acquired that over the years, but it was so isolating. Yeah. And I it's and I'm so thankful to, you know, the few friends that stuck around to see me mm. emerge on the other side. Yeah. It's really been, you know, I'm so thankful that they're still there because if you don't if you don't um, engage and, and yeah. support those relationships, then, totally. and then, then you I can't expect they're going to be there. That's right. <laughs> and I think you learn those kind of friends that are there, you know, no matter what, you know, yeah. you don't have to talk to them. Yeah, high-maintenance friendships. Yeah. <laughs> Were were and they went to the wayside. But yeah, you know they're they're also probably not the that's ones right. that, that you, you want to keep around. Yeah, that's totally. Right. So it is. Yeah, the high maintenance ones. Yeah. <laughs> left behind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, you know, coming into plastics probably was quite strategic and and so competitive um, for you and such a male dominated space. Do you feel like that's something you still feel like today? Was that really hard pushing through that to begin and now still as well? You know what, Amelia, I. <laughs> was fortunately so naive <laughs> to it all. And I'm, perhaps that's because I'm from, you know, a rural area. Yeah. I was just so naive. I moved from Newcastle. I studied both my degrees in Newcastle moved to Sydney. Yeah. And I was a bit nervous because I wasn't from a Sydney medical school. Yeah. And I thought perhaps that would have a negative impact on, on everything. But, in fact, it worked to my advantage because Newcastle's very good at, at the way they teach medicine. So yeah. I was it, – it had worked well for me um, and it put me in a good position. But – Again, I was still naive. I was attending journal clubs and thinking, wow, who are all these amazing people? <laughs> and then I realised that they're the competitors. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. We need to, I need to get the research done. Yeah. I need to tick all the boxes. So yeah. I am a competitive ap- applicant. And, mm. but I, again, I just had really beautiful people along the way that mm. kind of stepped in and said, okay, 
you know, you can do this and yeah. let's let's guide you a little bit and yeah. let's refine a few things. And, um, yeah, so I was lucky. And even the, before the interviews, people just putting their hands up to take me out to coffee to do some interview coaching yeah. and things like that, that was really helpful. But I didn't know, like, other people had been seeing all these professionals for, you know, yeah. coaches and all these things for months leading up. Yeah. So, again. In one way of, that probably almost helps you in sort of, not so much the naivety, but probably just being more yourself and not so strictly trained in some way and yeah, true. You know, and stressed true. by the whole process, yeah. I think. And by that point I was, you know, I was a junior doctor who was working and I think most people could just see that mm. I could work, yeah. I could get the job done <laughs> and my priority was always patient care yeah. um, and safety yeah. and and that's all they needed that fundamentally I think that's a really important skill that you, can, mm. you just show up yeah. but then um, you're trainable yeah you know you're you're you're, you're trainable with that art yeah 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 absolutely and I think going on to that for me that was one of the biggest things I found with you so you were my surgeon for my breast reduction surgery and I think the biggest thing I really learned I think speaking to you and speak to other surgeons was that kind of patient Dr Bond I just felt like I'd, maybe, I, you know, I feel like I'm quite good at judging people and quite good at sort of reading people in a way and getting a good feel for people. And I just felt like that was for you, after speaking to you, that was one of your kind of top priorities for me. It was really about making sure I was comfortable, making sure I was understood everything. And it just felt like you were, you end up being a friend. I mean, you end up being a friend, but it felt like yeah, when I first yeah. met it, it just felt like you were just really open and honest and of what you could do and what I wanted to achieve and that it just made the comfort level of everything so much more easier. Yeah, and I think um, I think there's a few things that go into that. I think my priority is just safety. Mm. You know, all of my ladies are VIPs, a mm. lot of them to little people. Mm. <laughs> you know, we really need to, to be conscious in performing these surgeries that, A, we're doing the right thing, yeah. we're not going to cause harm and, and have really negative outcomes yeah. and, and B, making sure that we roll out of this really well mm. so you can just get on with things. Yeah. Um, and that's always been my focus, but it comes back to I just want to help people. Yeah. Like that's really the no, simplest form of it all. And But I think that's rare because I've had other friends who have gone um, to plastic surgeons and who have just felt like they were sort of shuffled in and out in their consultation, like everything was done correctly, but there was there was maybe a personal element missing or there was that kind of care of this is actually a really scary thing, you know, for oh, people. I think some people completely. think, you know, it's a scary position to put yourself into a surgery electively. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, you know, sometimes I worry, you know, when you are probably seeing, you know, 20, 30 patients a day for consults, you kind of are just getting them in and out. But it really didn't feel like that with you. It really felt like you really listened and, and yeah, I think having that bond with a patient and doctor is really important, whether it's a surgeon or any kind of doctor um, yeah, you need that to you're seeing. To, and, look, I think plastics is unique and I think, you know, you do get to shop around. I don't like the yeah. term, but, yeah. you know, you do no, get absolutely. to shop around for, for your surgeon with yeah. this because you're, you're not dying. Yeah. You don't have an acute appendicitis yeah. that needs to come out or a yeah. brain tumour or something like that. So you do get to have a look at mm. other people and I think... Um, that's that's what sets plastics aside. But I think the hardest thing for women mm. in what we do is, it is <clears throat> there is some sort of elective component to some yeah. of the surgeries, particularly breast reduction. Yeah. Yes, there's obviously functional benefits and and things like that. But mm. um, 
women who come in for that, they've spent years justifying. Do they need it done? Should yeah. I spend the money? We could have a family holiday, all these yeah. sort of things. So I, I get that there's been a process for those women coming mm. in and and even until they go to sleep on the operating table, they're still thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah. what am I doing? Do I really need to yeah. do this? <laughs> and it, it, it's confronting. Yeah. And I'm doing so many more younger girls now in the early 20s who mm. just don't want to tolerate heavier breasts because of all the pain they're already in. And that's their first surgery. Yeah. So I'm sitting there holding their hand while they go to sleep. Yeah. So, they're, because I'm a familiar face, my anaesthetists are amazing, mm-hmm. um, but it's just nice to to just ease them through that process. It doesn't have to be so daunting. Totally. So I try and do everything I can. No, but it is because I think that's one of the biggest, you touched, you said it perfectly, I think with surgeries like plastics, when they're chosen, you do spend a huge amount of time before you even see a surgeon justifying to yourself, I think, should I do it? Should I not do it? Can I afford it? I could spend this money on lots of other things. There's a huge mental toll that you take before you even get to see you. And then even I think once you do see the surgeon, again, you probably still question it and then you get all the risks and everything that come in and that plays a huge factor. So it's a massive process um, and it's big. I I was even speaking to my auntie who's in her 50s who's just decided to get a breast reduction and she said, oh, I just don't know why I just never thought to do it before you know I should have done this years ago and and it's yeah it's one of those funny things I think I think it has part to do with being a woman you put we're very bad at probably putting others before ourselves especially when you're a mother (laughs) especially when you're a mum so that plays a big part in it because we're not very good at doing things for ourselves a lot of the time and surgeries you know particularly like you do with breast surgeries and things like that they do feel like a very big kind of indulgence, I guess, yeah, um, it's, for yourself. Yeah, it's almost like a luxury service, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I completely get that. And, you know, there's always the the contemplation is, if am I too vain? Why am I thinking about this? There's so many different factors and elements that come into it. Mm. And I, I always just say to the ladies who are really worried that, you know, we didn't just meet in David Jones one yep. day. <laughs> we, you know, you've thought long and hard about yeah. all of this and yeah. Most of the time when they're seeing me or any of mm. our colleagues, you know, they're just making sure that you're the right fit. Yeah. And, and that's why I think, you know, like you said, for lack of a better word, shopping around. But I think seeing a, a couple, if you are considering it, seeing a few different surgeons, I think is helpful because I think you'll get a feeling of which one's right after you've met a few. You'll yeah, see the absolutely. difference and which one you feel most comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that makes a big difference because that at least puts your mind at ease to a point. Um, yeah, and yeah. You, like you said, you feel more comfortable even the day you're going in. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've done due diligence in, in some respects. Totally, aspects. yeah. Yeah, uh, it does. And I think it's really interesting with plastic surgery now I feel like because in a way I often feel like it's become so much more common, so much more out in the open and I think social media probably has a lot to do with that but also probably celebrities being a bit more forthcoming with what, you know, they're having done sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really interesting space that it is kind of almost like we're looking behind the curtain a little bit more now you know even you look at your social media the the before and afters are incredible um oh thank you (laughs) uh, but they're amazing and I think there's a lot of maybe less stigma behind it um you know people don't feel so ashamed of having things done um you know that they don't have to hide it or anything like that which I think is really interesting that that's now becoming more common and I you know a lot of your patients are even for breast reduction surgeries are young women you know really young women which 
I think for me, someone who struggled with large breasts when I was really young, I just think that's amazing. Yeah. You know, that's incredible that that's now becoming more normal and a possibility for them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think what I notice with the younger people is they've genuinely got a lot of emotional and psychological negative negativity around, particularly with breast reduction, um, the size of their breasts. They, they're they a size six and eight waistline. They're yeah. going, wearing baggy clothes. They can't wear swimwear, all of yeah. those sorts of things. So it is having a really negative impact on their mm. lives. Um, and not to say that the older ladies don't suffer from the same things, but yeah. I think the mums just get on with it. Yeah. Um, whereas the younger ones, they're really quite emotionally caught with mm. it. And you see those girls, they come in with their mums quite often and, yeah. um, you know, early 20s and, and then having a chat about things and they're, they're often really quite distressed about the whole idea of their breasts. And well, you, you don't realise the emotional toll. Yeah, that's it's right. Huge. And it's really, yeah. But, you know, they walk back in and they're almost different people. Yeah. Yeah, which is just, and, and it's such a big difference in the younger Yeah younger patient population that mm. I have, that, that difference before and after surgery. Yeah. And I don't like to feel like I'm selling surgeries or anything like that because I'm certainly not, but it is such a beautiful oh, change. Oh, huge. I, yeah. And, I mean, I know you said to me after my surgery it would take a few months for me to get used to it, and it really did. I really felt it probably even up to six months after I just... It took me a long time to kind of get used to my new body, to figure out how to dress to yeah. my new body, yeah. to look at myself and think, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. was Hello. a huge, <laughs> literally it was a huge difference. It was amazing. You, I just never had realised the emotional kind of processing that needed to happen after that and I cannot imagine what that would be on a younger woman as well because for me, I know, you know, I was master of disguise when I was younger because all I wanted to do was make myself look smaller. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you'd and it's become... interesting. Yeah, a lot of the younger girls, it's um they they're so good at compression yeah. and um I mean the bras that they wear are like wetsuit yeah. material, these minimizer bras yeah. and things like that. Um so they've they've had some negative sort of feedback from family members saying yeah. you don't even need it and yeah. they they obviously don't understand no. what weighs on on their minds totally. unfortunately. And some of them are a little bit slower to, to process mm. and others are just out there yeah. fully enjoying it. They're wearing their cute little midriff yeah. tops back in on day week one post-surgery yeah. and they're just rolling with it. it. It's is. beautiful. Yeah. no, it's and, and I'm sure it's the same on the opposite side of people who get implants who have never had, um, you know, breasts in any sort of decent size. Yeah. I can yeah. even imagine that must quite take a, a long time to process because it changes everything. It changes the way you dress. It does yeah, change the absolutely. way you feel. It changes the way you look. Um, but again, they've been masters of disguise. Yeah. You know, they've got <laughs> chicken fillets and, yeah. and push-up bras yeah. that have been doing it. And a lot of, look, the patients I tend to attract are more ladies who want the natural yeah. appearance. They don't want to look like, mm. oh, hello, we've had yeah. ear implants. <laughs> um, it's, it, they are always wanting more yeah. of a natural appearance. Mm. Um, and the aim is usually just to give them what they look like in a push-up yeah. bra. Yeah. So it's not big volumes yeah. and things like that. Um, but it just means that yeah. they don't have to design their entire wardrobe around yeah. bras and yeah. fillets. And and that's the thing, though. I think, you know, like we said before, with surgery becoming, I think I'd say a bit more mainstream or a bit more at least out in the open, it's taking that stigma away of as it's not you're going to look like someone who's unbotched, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a very natural 
uh, progression and it's a very, it's someone who's looking for a, a natural look now. It's really, you know, very rarely that really over the top done Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly still women who, who are after that yeah. and, you know, each their own with yeah. all of that. Um, for me, it's it, I, it's usually about proportions, yeah. just giving you the curves in the right spots and, yeah. and it's the same for tummies and things like that. Yeah. It's just addressing a few things that we didn't have before babies. Well, that's the thing. Before, <laughs> that are before children, yeah. <laughs> look, everything was a little bit different before children. <laughs> so, oh, I, know, I was so even nice. looking at my belly button the other day. My belly button has changed since having kids. You know, like it's just bizarre. <laughs> so I think, you know, yeah, to now have these options which are very doable and really safe and, and so in such comfortable hands with someone like yourself, I think that's just an amazing amazing opportunity for women yeah yeah I think I think it really is and unfortunately women you know that we're, we're busy most of the time for breasts mm. you know you don't you don't spend much time in the mirror yeah. looking at things until after your surgery you just pack them up and yeah. get on with your yeah. day um <laughs> until you become so conscious of something that's mm. really niggling and it's becoming a bit more prominent in your thought processes yeah. that they're heavy or your tummy totally. you hate tucking it in yeah. all those sorts of things like there's a, there's moments that mm. are dictated by it and that's when well, people look, start thinking about that's these options. right and I think you know we've spoken about matrescence before of this whole big period of women after they've had children and how it's actually you know there's psychological and physiological changes that go on in our body once we have kids we know that now it's, yeah. it's a really big thing and identity I think is a huge one in that yeah and absolutely you feel different you know your body doesn't feel like it's yours anymore you, you've got things hanging off it everywhere you know like it's <laughs> including little including people. <laughs> little people like it's it's it doesn't feel you know I think identity is such a huge thing for women post um, having kids and so when you're looking at yourself and you don't feel like yourself it's a huge toll that that takes and yeah it's really I think hard for a lot of women to process that with everything else that's going on. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that you get time. Yeah. In but the that's early it totally to process. No. It. I, think, I feel like it took me about two years to just kind of get over having like, a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I kind of was like, oh maybe I should sort out something of the rest going on. <laughs> <laughs> I should start doing some yeah. classes. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm back there now. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, post baby, it's it's a challenge for yeah. everyone, and um, and I think you know some women are better at affording themselves mm. the time to yeah. to to make them feel better about themselves yeah. and do the things that they used to love doing and strengthen their bodies and and yeah. pay attention to that. And others are not, and you know, yeah, it's it, it's hard. But I think I think generally, I think women are feeling a bit more okay about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember when I had newborns, I'd be bringing my husband at like 11am when he was coming home <laughs> <Yes>. from work. <laughs> Going to work is easy. Going yes. to work for men is easy after kids. That's the dream. <laughs> totally. It, it's, you know, it, it's a really, it's a really interesting one. I want to quickly talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Vela Days. Vela Days is a professional strength skincare brand that is all about simplifying your routine. It has three highly effective products that replaces an entire 12-step routine so that you can start doing more with less. Yeah, I mean, I with my little ones, I found it just really isolating. Yeah. I think totally. it was a bit of it was a hard shift mentally for me. Yeah. Um, to, to do what I do. Oh, and especially then, when you're in such a high-paced environment outside of family. <laughs> <laughs> to then sit at home feeding all day is I know. It's and very oh hard. Gosh, feeding was such a nightmare yeah. for me as well. So I felt like I'd, I got such high, like tight hip flexors yeah. from sitting down feeding yeah. all day or trying to feed. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know it's hard. It's it's hard. It's yeah, really no, hard. it's really really hard. Um, I would like to know. I guess what now are you seeing um, in your field of surgeries? What are kind of the are there any sort of current trends or things that you're seeing that are becoming a lot more common for people to be doing? What is sort of the more um, popular, I guess, surgeries yeah, that you seem yeah. to be doing? Look, I think. Um, as, as a female plastic surgeon, I have, I am seeing a lot more labiaplasties. Yeah. That's definitely the highest growing mm-hmm. surgery. But you know what? People, women don't talk about it. And yeah. I'll ask all of my ladies, do you know anyone who's had it done? Yeah. And they're like, no. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you get, you know, um, you get, I mean, and that's a really nice surgery. Again, mm. functionally, those women are really uncomfortable. Yeah. Really, really uncomfortable. And, um, but you know, I did a, an interview for a, a girl a while ago who was really trying to push me into saying that, you know, we do all these surgeries for men. And yeah. and it's so not true. These women, they're coming in for themselves. Yeah. And 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 I think that's probably a nice nice thing to, to mention as well is women are doing it for themselves. Totally. It's, you know, sure, they might want to look good in dresses and yeah. or just be comfortable or less neck pain or whatever yeah. it is. But they're doing it for themselves, which is really, really nice. Yeah. And I think my involvement in that is just facilitating. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so labiaplasty is definitely the the fastest growing surgery, yeah, I think, well. um, for what we're seeing. Mm. Um, but in my own practice, it's certainly a movement towards younger girls getting breast reductions, whereas yeah. I think typically years ago it was for the mums who'd already had the babies who yeah. already breastfed. And we know that that shouldn't change your breastfeeding potential. Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing because I've seen you talk about that a lot before is um, it doesn't, it, it can um, mean you can still breastfeed. Yeah, that's um, right. After, yeah. which, is really imp- which is really impressive and, and beautiful. Yeah, um, I mean I had one patient, she was from a rural community who went to 13 GPs because she was 21 and wanted a breast reduction and, you know, was a very good candidate mm. for a breast reduction. She had such really, 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 really big breasts. Mm. Um, but she, 13 people denied her just a referral. That's insane. Like they all made that decision for her that she was not suitable yeah. and that her neck and back pain was not something mm. that, you know, should be addressed with a breast reduction before she had children. So, you know, there's a lack of information. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's really a really good point because I think it's hard sometimes um here in Australia, I know derms have this problem as well sometimes because you have to get a referral to see a dermatologist. Um, you can sometimes be sort of gatekept by a, a GP, you know, to try things first with a GP, which absolutely that process is really important, but yeah, yeah. it can make it really difficult as well sometimes. Like you said, you know, that is someone making a decision for her to not even be able to come and speak to you, um, yeah, which to, is really hard. And, I mean, I can I can also say if it's inappropriate, yeah. you know, like and, and there's certainly patients that I say no exactly, to. Exactly, yeah. Um, and that's, you know sometimes hard but mm. it's the right thing for whatever reason for yeah. me to say no to, to but having things. that conversation I think is so important you know being able for her mentally even just to be able to see a surgeon whether you say yes or no you know I think that's it's part of the process so I think you know it is important to remember because uh, you know in the US for example you can just go to see a dermatologist you know you don't need a referral so yeah, yeah. um it does it does make it a bit more difficult here sometimes but I think you know like you said you know make sure you know, you can see some other GPs and see what they say and then um, hopefully become be able to, you know, get a referral to see yourself. Yeah, like yeah. And I think the other point to touch on there is is make sure you're seeing someone who's fully trained. Yes. That's obviously being quite topical in the media of yep, late. definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing to navigate mm. for, for people. Um, 
who are, who are trying to find someone. Who's and I trained. think I'm sure you, you know, the, the most important thing is going with a plastic surgeon, not a cosmetic surgeon to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's um, our society, Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons, um, you know, they're, they're trying really hard to help that education process yeah. happen. Um, but, you know, there's regulations that, yeah. that are in place at the moment. So it's yeah. difficult. It's yeah. just difficult. No, yeah. it's, I think I, one of the funniest things I think I loved you ever explained to me was when you're actually performing a surgery, if your breast is mainly mammary, it's like performing it with Play-Doh, but if it's more <laughs> fat, it's like Jello, Jello. <laughs> which I love. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, it's, it's true. Um, you know, you can always look on, on the Instagrams and, and I think it's actually that information and the photos really are good help to women think considering these sorts of things and you can start, kind of usually identify with one or two of them saying totally. that's about me yeah. and maybe that's what I'll kind of look like. But I think it's so important because you just see a realistic example of what you might be going through. I think one of the biggest things and I know one of my biggest worries was scarring and yeah. you can really see that there's such a multitude of that across all your surgeries and it's very barely there. It's so subtle and, you know, and it's it's... I don't think that's something people need to be worried about. Um, no, no. And look, to be honest, particularly for breast reductions, they're not. And I always explain it. It's, it's a permanent trade. Yeah. I'm permanently trading the size yeah. and shape of your breast for something that's more youthful and and, yeah. and lighter. Yeah. But the trade-off is the scarring. And I, you say that to me, I remember, because I was really worried about scarring and you did. You say what's more important to you, you know, having smaller breasts or having scarring? And I thought, yeah, well, that's, that and makes yeah. it a lot more sense to me. Yeah, and... <laughs> Like, yeah, I try, look, women women in today's world are very well educated. Yeah. They're on groups. They're on all these things. Yeah. So by the time they're seeing me, they know what they're yeah. in for. It's me just ticking all the boxes to make sure I, I've yeah. completely explained everything. And I think sometimes I hear that um, other women aren't having those conversations with yeah. their surgeons and I need you to sign a form yeah. which says you know what you're signing up for. Yeah. And I also have to sign that form to yeah. say I'm going to get you through it. No, totally. Um, so we need to be completely informed about all of these things yeah. and that's part of the process. But for me, women, women, you know, they're smart. Yeah. They, oh, and that's the thing. They I understand. Think you said there's yeah. so much out there now, which I think sometimes can be so overwhelming um, yeah. that it is hard to kind of narrow it down sometimes. But yeah. it does, I think, then by the time you come to you, you can at least go, okay, well, this is all I know and you're kind of like, right, well, this is what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this does. is what I need to That's show. right. And yeah, it makes exactly. it it makes it much more clearer because, yeah, I think I even know, you know, I felt coming in I was overwhelmed because I had looked at so much stuff about what to do and I thought it, it's just a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think the groups that are available, some of them are really, really helpful um, and seem like really nice support communities, but sometimes there's a bit of anxiety promoting stuff in those those communities as totally. well. So it's about putting it all in perspective for how it's yeah. going to look for you. Absolutely. And you actually get to write your own narrative on this. Yeah. So sometimes I'll say jump off the groups because they've yeah, it's, it's too, too much. much anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is. I think you have to you have to call it at some point. Yeah, yeah. Because it can be a bit much and then you can come back if you need help after. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but hopefully I've got That's right. I've given you what you need. Oh, completely. Yeah. I from the anaesthetists that you were working with oh, to they're afterwards. Amazing. There, there's so much that you don't by any means feel like you're on your own in any way, which I think was incredible um, and so, so important because, yeah. It really is. By the time you like, leave the hospital, you're like, right, I'm on my own now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got my you're compression all, that's right. off. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> but, no, it was amazing. And I think that's one thing um, I was most amazed about, you know, a week after I was back to normal. 
um, which yeah. was amazing. You know, I had a few days on painkillers and then I was I was okay. Yeah, yeah. and I think it, that's the nicest thing about breast mm. reduction. It's a little bit different for augments and tummies, yeah. but um, it's it's always a surprising recovery for ladies, which yeah. is nice. Um, yeah. Every now and then you'll get someone who's a little bit yeah. slower um, to as far as pain goes. Yeah. But, you know, most people really recover mm. well. No, um, it, was, it was good. Yeah, and just well-managed, I think, which is the most important thing. You know, it was really that process was very clear, which was yeah. great. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we know what we're yeah. doing. <laughs> yes, you got it down that now. <laughs> um, can I ask both technically and emotionally what your favourite surgery is? Ooh. Uh, look, breast reductions are actually tricky. Mm. Um, they're, they're hard. Um, you're, the the compromise is always between trying to deliver outcomes and um, and I talk about breast reduction because I do. That's probably what I do most of. Yeah. Um, but you know the balance is always between trying to take enough volume off enough mm. skin, lift them up, nipples are higher, all those sorts of things, but keep everything alive. Mm. And I'm sure you remember like one of the risks is having having tissue that doesn't survive. Yeah. Um, fortunately, that's you know, not a big complication rate, but it's it's a real problem. But mm. for me, emotionally, there that's where the delivery of, of yeah. such a beautiful functional outcome is, but also an aesthetic outcome. Yeah. And that's a really big game changer. Mm. Um, tummies are beautiful as well, the tummy tucks. Like they really just restore yeah. what you had. And all the grievances that you have, particularly about lower sort yeah. of tummy with the skin, the stretch marks and tissue that just won't go away or that yeah. sort of, those which is something that I didn't realise until I think I'd seen a lot of yours on social is I think I had always imagined tummy tucks as people who just wanted to be skinnier but it's really not. It's people who have that kind of stretched skin yeah. that just yeah. uh, is, you know, stretched from pregnancy and things like that. That was a real shock to me. I was like, oh, I get it now. It's not actually just, yeah, taking away fat. It's, no, it's no. really that sort of skin that is not going to go anywhere no and matter how much. Separation. Yeah, and the muscle separation, yeah. you know, and no matter how much exercise you're going to do, that's not going anywhere. No, so. no. And, yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a real nuisance. Yeah. Particularly <laughs> <laughs> as we approach 40 and yeah. early 40s when you really like, oh, I just want to be able to wear things comfortably and, yeah. and, um, and not have to, you know, Nancy Gans myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we love a Nancy Gans here. Well, you know, have a tummy tuck. Yeah. It's internal Nancy Gans. That's it's, it. um, yeah, yeah. Like it's, 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 it's one of those things. So I think everything that I do, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got, I, I'm just working with women and yeah. my patients are beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, all of those ladies will have a really nice transformation mm. and, it's just nice to see. Oh, and like we've talked about, that emotional change you feel in yourself after something like that is huge. Yeah. You know, not having to hide a part of you anymore yeah. is massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think you even realise the change that makes on you until it's gone and yeah. you're really like how much of a, a weight that has been taken off emotionally I think is huge. Yeah, I had a patient talking to me about how, you know, her husband wasn't entirely on board, but she was just getting it done regardless. Yeah. And it was just having a breast reduction. And she said that he comments still about how happy she is yeah. and how different she is. And and that's beautiful. But that's it amazing. also does reflect how much of a negative Im- Im- impact that was happening on, yeah. on her life. Yeah. And and she probably didn't even realise the amount that that was no. impacting her, yeah. which is a really the hardest thing, I think, because yeah. it is. And it is one of those things sometimes. And then when you have it done, you're like, why didn't I do this? so long ago. <laughs> you know, I've got this beautiful patient. She must be 65, 70, and she's just had it done. Yeah. And her entire 
Her Amazing. entire rationale for coming in was because she didn't want to be in a nursing home and have a poor Aww. nurse lift her heavy breasts <laughs> up to clean. And I thought, oh, I wish you'd I had it done this that. for yourself yeah. like 40 years ago. <laughs> Good on her. That I is know. what we want to hear. I know. Oh, amazing. Well, I feel like you are only just getting started. Like I just think you're so incredible for oh, thank how you. amazing you are, so young and just phenomenal. Um, what is next for Dr. Kelly Thornbury? Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, for, for me it's um, where, you know, just trying to do some really good surgeries for a lot more women. Um I my focus doesn't really change. It's just about helping helping women and and making sure we can pivot that to make sure it's safe and and keep that in line with with you know current regulations and all of those <laughs> sorts of things. But yeah. I just will continue going on. I think. But you know what? There's so many beautiful opportunities coming, and yeah. um, and and that's nice, and it's unexpected too. Yeah. Um, some things in skincare and and things like that Definitely. that we're working in the background doing, which will be exciting to have a chat about. At really, really point. exciting, and I think yeah. I hope if anyone is really hoping, you know, or just interested, please reach out, you know, to Dr. Kelly or, um, you know, a plastic surgeon, um, and and just have a chat, even you know, and see what might be possible for what you. What the options I think are? Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. I think it's about just getting the right information. Yeah. And what your options are. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think there is a really long process to most yeah. women Definitely. deciding to have these surgeries. Yeah. Um, you know, most women, it's like four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. You know, I think that's like well, you said, that's the process. Yeah. That that and is the does. process. There's there's nothing irrational about yeah. my patients. And Unlike me who saw you and we booked it in two months later. <laughs> 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 I wanted a quick turnaround. <laughs> We could deliver. Yeah. We could deliver. <laughs> yeah, but bad. I think by the time you come to me, yeah. oh, you, totally. you know. There had so, been a huge process. And that's a stressful thing because people yeah. walk in, they're like, okay, can you, I do it next week? Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm booked up for months. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> you said to me, well, can you travel? I was like, yes. You're like, fine, we'll do it. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so I love to end this podcast with just one really easy tip, I think, that anyone um, can do as a daily practice that they can implement tomorrow if they want just to improve somehow on their overall health. It can be skin, it can be anything. Um I think, you know, just something really easy that people can take away I think is great. Um, I'll go first so you can have a minute to think. Um, And then, um, yeah, I would love to hear yours because I think it's really, it's great to have one sort of easy takeaway. Um, So mine is just a simple one this week. I always go really weird left-field ones. Um, (laughs) But someone messaged me last week on social media and it nearly broke my heart. Um, She told me that she felt like a failure because a skincare ingredient she had seen everyone talking about it on social didn't work for her skin and, yeah, she felt like, you know, she'd failed at something that this didn't work for her and that nearly killed me. Um, Because I thought that's not what we're trying to do here. (laughs) That's not what we should be doing. Sometimes I think, you know, it's so great with social media. We've come so far. There's so much information out there for people from, you know, great people like yourself. Um, And then sometimes I think, well, we still have so far to go. (laughs) Um, You know, and I see constantly when all these question and answer things we see on social media and, you know, people are still writing in saying, is sunscreen safe in pregnancy? And I think, oh, God, we're still there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's hard. So I would just say my biggest tip is just for anyone, if you are confused or overwhelmed or don't know where to start or just unsure, 
go and see a professional. Just go and see a dermal therapist and get a skin analysis. Most of them do it for free. Um, and just get them to tell you what type your skin type is. Just get them to tell you what you might want to use and just see what they say. And then at least cuts out some of that confusion for you. Absolutely. Um, and don't feel like a failure if something doesn't work for you because no skin crew works for absolutely everybody. And um, I think too, further to your point, is it's not going to work for your entire life. That's so, right. It changes yeah, all the time. pubertal skin is different to um, completely, you know, 30s, 40s skin. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm going to stick with your train of thought. Um, we have the biggest skin cancer rate in Australia. So for me, it's yeah. all about protection. Um, and when I say protection, everyone thinks sunscreen and I, that's number one. But number two is all the actives. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, just having a really good base with mm-hmm. your actives to make sure that you're protecting yourself properly. Yeah. Um, and then once you've got that down, that's a secret to longevity. Yeah. No, I love that because it is. It's really important. And like you said, we all talk about sunscreen and it is the most important, but there is uh, so many other things as well yeah, yeah. Um, that are really important. Yeah. And, you know, for skincare, I, I'm not sort of narrow-minded with it. I mean, obviously I'm a plastic surgeon, so I do do Botox and mm. I think there's really important roles for all these things as far as what you were saying before. So nutrition and sort of holistic approaches, but then also your active ingredients, sprinkles of Botox, all those sorts of things. It all kind of works together. I think if people are wanting to really pursue a good skincare regime, Mm. it's about skin health. It's, I think... It's really nice to see that transition is is happening, that it's not about caking makeup on to hide everything. It's about skin health now. And the integrity, I think, keeping the integrity of your skin. And, you know, that's where I say to anyone, you know, there's no point using all this skincare if you're not using sunscreen because you'll do more damage to your skin integrity in the sun in a day than you can fix with all your retinol in the week. You know, it's not going to work that way. So um, it's keeping that skin integrity, like you said, through all different aspects of our nutrition, your health, your skin care. Um, there is so many other things that incorporate into that. And I think it's one of those interesting things because I was talking to a friend who said, you know, it's so interesting now you look at your parents and at their age, but they don't look like what your grandparents looked like at their age anymore. It's really different. You know, my grandma, I just feel like always looked like she was 90. Like that's just, that was always a (laughs) nana. And my mom doesn't look like that now. She's a nana, which is interesting. Um, So it is, I think those changes we're starting to see, you know, sunscreen and things like that coming in. They're working and they work and they're really important. So yeah, yeah. It's great to And keep we've got them. so much more information now. Yeah. So it's trying to, you know, if you're on socials and things like that, it's trying to follow people who are yeah. really well informed about those sorts of things um, and, and keep across it. And yeah. like you said, going to see a professional to yeah. help you. And just like I said, go and, that yeah, space. that's right, go and just get someone to tell you what your skin type is. You know, even that can just give you a good starting base. Yeah, changes um, the game plan. And changes it totally and is really, you know, an easy thing that everyone can do. So thank you so much, Thank Kelly. you so much for Oh, my God, me. I'm so happy. It's so <laughs> we should do this amazing <laughs> to get you any kind of time with you. So absolutely we'll do it again. And, um, no, I've loved it so much. So thank you. Thank you.